welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. In Him, week number four, and today we're in, uh, this is what we're into. We have redemption in Christ. We have redemption in Christ. This series is all about unpacking the promises of God in Christ. And 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In Jesus. And our key verse this morning is Ephesians 1 verse 7, which says this In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption means this to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. It's the act of clearing a debt. It's deliverance or rescuing. It's freedom secured by the payment of a ransom. That's what redemption means. The Bible is a book all about redemption. The story of the Bible is of a God who wants a, who wants a family. He doesn't need a family. God is perfect in how He is and He doesn't need us, but He wants, He wants us. Out of the overflow of His love, He created all things and He created us and He says, I want a family. And He was gone and, and then we, but He gave us the ability to choose. He gave us the ability to choose. And aren't you glad that God made, gave us the ability to choose Him? Because in choosing Him, it creates a real authenticity of relationship. So God gave us the ability to choose and some of us choose to, chose to walk away. And so in that process, sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, through their choices, and God set about a plan to redeem us. God is a God of redemption. God is a God of, of, of gaining or regaining the possession of something that was lost by, by a payment. God is the God of, of clearing debts. God is the God of deliverance. God is the God of rescue. God is the God of freedom. Secured by the payment of a ransom, what a payment He paid for us. The Bible is a book of redemption. He wants you and me and His family. This message series was inspired by Pastor Phil Pringle's devotional book, In Him. And this is what... Pastor Phil writes about it. He says this, Our redemption has been paid by the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. We have been purchased back from the ownership of our enemy. We, have been sold into, we had been sold into slavery by our sin. The addictions, obsessions, fixations and habits that controlled us make, made us slaves to our own appetites. We were driven. We couldn't break free. The price we paid for our sins is the death of our soul. The price of recovering our soul is beyond ours or anyone's means to pay. So Jesus has paid with His pure blood, pouring from His crucified body. He has redeemed us from death and made us alive in Christ. This secures our eternal position. However, here on earth, that, that, that same power of redemption is also in full force for us, whatever takes place in our lives, we can rest assured that because we are in Him, 
Bad circumstances will turn out for good. Can I get an amen? God is a redeemer. He makes the best out of the worst. Come on, that is the heartbeat. That is the DNA. That is the calling card of God. He takes what was broken, what was, what was uh, forgotten, what was overlooked, what was put out to the side. He takes that and He redeems it. He's the God of putting things back together again. That is our God that we serve. And so this morning I, I want to camp out in Luke 15. And we've got the three parables that Jesus teaches in Luke 15. The parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to pull some truths about this God, our Redeemer. Are you with me? All right. Point number one, Jesus is an active Redeemer. He's an active Redeemer. Listen to this, Luke 15 verses 1 to 10. Big chunk of Scripture, two parables. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Him. I mean, I just want to stop right there. Let me, did you hear that? The tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to Jesus. There's something so attractive about Jesus that people that, so I, just, I just want to smash down this, this sense of that this place, the gathering of, of God's people, the church, is this place for, per, for perfect people, that for people that have got it all together. That this is the place that, that self-righteous people inhabit and, and, they, and they sort of pat each other's back and you know, polish each other's crowns. And no, God came for the broken. God came for the marginalised. God, God, I love the fact that the tax collectors and the sinners, those that were ostracised from the community, were drawing near to Him. What does it say about our Saviour? Isn't it awesome? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So you've got the, those that were left out of community, left out of society. And then you've got the religious elite grumbling. You've got these guys drawing near to Him, seeking Him. And you've got these people grumbling. It's incredible. Saying this, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What an accusation. Can you believe it? That Jesus would eat with a sinner. <laughs> so He told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours. He calls everyone together and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. I mean, this guy's so crazy. What a crazy shepherd. I mean, you've got a hundred sheep, you lose one. And rather than being like all upset at the sheep, rather than like being frustrated with the sheep, blimmin' sheep, instead he's rejoicing. And not only is he rejoicing, he's saying, Oi, Bob, guess what? I found that sheep. Come on, I'm throwing a party. Woohoo, we're going to celebrate. Isn't this upside down? Isn't this crazy? But this is the heart of our Saviour. This is the heart of Jesus. Oh my gosh, He rejoices even when the one wanders away and He has to go and find it and bring it back. He's still throwing a party. It's nuts. Rejoice with me, I found my sheep. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. That is the heart of Jesus. Or what woman, here's another parable, having 10 silver coins. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp 
and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbours saying, again, here comes a party. Rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He is a God who redeems. Wow. Have you ever lost something and had that stress? I mean, I mean, in all fairness, you've got a hundred sheep, you lose one. I mean, things happen, right? You've got 10 coins, you lose one. I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame, but you still got nine bucks. I mean, it just seems, it can, it can almost seem like kind of trivial or trite. Why is there such a, a big deal about, about this? I remember when we got Lily a cat. Now, we're not really animal people, but uh, our, our daughter was, uh, was really wanting a cat. And we thought, right, we're going to get a cat. So we, we drove to, I can't remember where it was. It was a, a Morrinsville. It was about a, a two and a half hour drive to select the cat. Because the first thing you got to do is select them when they're a baby. So we selected the cat. And then we, from this crazy cat lady, anyone know crazy cat ladies? I'm sorry if you're a crazy cat lady. Uh, but anyway, this lady, I mean, we turn up and she's feeding them ch- uh, chicken, chicken feet. There's chicken feet everywhere and that's what the cats are eating. It's, it's nuts. Anyway, it was, it was unusual. But anyway, so we pick the cat and then we come back, you know, two months later, three months later, whenever the cat's ready to collect the cat. And so we've got this beautiful little, what was the breed? A little Manx, beautiful grey Manx, uh, a Manx with a tail. Beautiful, fluffy grey cat with a piercing eyes. It was an amazing little cat. And so, uh, but the, the, was it the first night or the second night? I can't remember. It might have been the second night. But you know how when you, we lived on six and a half acres, there's a stream. It was kind of like, you know, like a cat would go missing quickly. And there's a real busy road right out front. And so, you know what you do with a kitten. You've got to keep them inside till they get used to their surroundings and you start letting them out slowly. Well, on the second night, we couldn't find Jake. His name was Jake. We couldn't find Jake anywhere. And we were stressing. I mean, I, can't, I, I was stressing. I was, I was honestly like anxious. Like, I was outside looking at it because, you, you know, it was an old home. You get out of the home. I'm like, Jake, 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 walking around with, you know, honestly, for about two, three hours, we were freaking out there. We had lost this thing. This cat's gone. My daughter's going to be heartbroken. And, and, and I don't know what we're going to do. Not to mention we spent a bit of money on this thing with two trips to Morrinsville. It was all rolling through my head. And guess where Jake was? He was tucked up under the couch, inside the couch. He figured out how to get inside the yeah, and got inside the blooming couch. And he's like just happy, chilling out inside the couch asleep. He was fine. He was there. But oh my gosh, my heart was racing. Have you ever lost something? And in that moment, everything else just stops. Everything else just stops. And that becomes the priority. That becomes the focus. It didn't matter what plans I had that night. It didn't matter. What mattered was finding Jake. We searched until we found him. God's the God of from lost to found. He's the God of from death to life. There's no greater moment of redemption than the moment of salvation. That moment that someone says yes to Jesus and they become a new creation. All things become new. I love that. A fresh start in Jesus is on offer. And that is the most, the, the greatest miracle of all time to be saved, to be rescued, to be redeemed. From the cave to the house, from the ocean to the boat, to the land. Come on, the focus of this is on the attempt to find. I love the fact that Jesus just doesn't stand by. He's the God that will come after you. He will track you down. Ask Paul, whose name was Saul. 
That cat was on his way to kill some Christians in the book of Acts. And Jesus knocks him off his horse and says, Oi, what you doing, bro? Stop it. Oh, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And turn this guy, his life 180. He went from trying to kill Christians to preaching the gospel and, and, and seeing so many people come into the, into the family of God through his message, through his, through his preached word. God will go after you. Don't you love that he's, he's an intentional God? Come on, the search was intentional and it was urgent. It was the priority of the shepherd. It was the priority of the woman who lost her coin. Jesus' focus was the lost. Our focus should be the lost and the hurting. In World War II, because of the, just the desperation and the situation that was, the Allied armies were faced with, they had to employ cruise liners as troop ships. It's incredible what they did. They took like the QE2 or the QE1, Queen Elizabeth I, a whole bunch of, of these massive cruise ships and they converted them to troop ships. Have a listen to this. Ships built for passengers, service already contained many of the features needed for troop carrying. Galleys, dining rooms, and numerous cabins were designed to carry and feed hundreds of people as they crossed the world's oceans. Conversions to military use essentially saw efforts to maximise capacity in any way possible. The first step would typically involve removing all items that were not needed for sustaining or birthing the maximum number of troops that could be carried. Furniture, paintings, pianos, and everything else not needed for war would be removed. Every available space on board would then be stuffed with hammocks and cots to accommodate the fighting men who would soon be in battle in lands far from where they grew up. Cruise ships converted to warships because there was a mission. Their freedom was at stake. They couldn't sit idly by. They used every means necessary so that the outcome would be a victory in the war. They would take these cruise ships and turn them into warships. Now, I'm not here to purport minimalism and to say that if you own nice things, then God wants you to sell it. I'm not here to say that it's, we can't have this and we can't have that. But I'm saying there's a heart in this. There's a gospel heart in this, which is, is in this incredible moment of history. You can grab something here of the heart of Jesus that He will do whatever it takes to make sure that, you, that there would be freedom in your life, victory in your life. He's coming after you to redeem you, redemption by all means necessary. That if removing a piano means someone else could be saved, then it's a no-brainer, hey? Huh? Come on, redemption is priority. Lost people are our top Priority, C3 Church Wellington. To rescue and redeem, to find and restore, to go and make disciples, to bring people far from God, close to Him is the mission of the house. This is the heartbeat of heaven. It's the heartbeat of C3 Church. Jesus says in Luke 5, 31 and 32, those who are well, 
have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he goes on to say in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There is redemption in Christ, and he is an active redeemer. But there's another point here in these two parables we've read. There's something here I think we need to capture. And it's about regaining possession. Christian, listen in. Because I think this is important that we see. It's both the sheep and the coin were in the owner's possession at one point. At some point, they became lost. They were found, then they were lost, and then they were found again. Come on, at some point, the sheep wandered away. He left the 99, but it was part of the 100. And that's the focus of our next parable, the prodigal son. And I'm going to read it to you. And he said, There was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father's house and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he had a whole lot of other things he wanted to say, but he couldn't get any more words out because the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. (laughs) For this my son was dead and is alive again. Alive again. Alive again. Again, 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 do you hear me this morning? God's wanting to bring you to life again. Feel inside me the call of God towards each one of us that we're not called to live lives, meaningless lives from one day to the next, eking it by 
but you have on your life an eternal assignment, a God who loves you, a relationship beckoning to each one of you and a call to get in the game. I said it last week. There is a call right now by God to say, come on, my friend, come on, my son, come on, my daughter. I'm calling you alive again. I'm calling you alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field and he came and drew near the house. He heard the music and the dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, what are these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received them back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, there's many years I've served you and never disobeyed you, your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, is now found. Come on, from failure to family, from futility to future, from famine to feasting, from isolation to jubilation, our God is a God who redeems. What does this word prodigal mean? Do you know something? I never even knew what this word meant. How many people have heard the story of the prodigal son? Raise your hands. Let me see some hands. How many people could tell me the definition of prodigal? (laughs) Come on. It just makes sense, right? This is the definition of prodigal. Spending or using resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant, but wastefully. Wasting your resources. Wasting what's upon your life. Wasting the inheritance that you have in God. Wasting. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. You have a father who stands on the porch looking down the road saying, come home to me. Just come home to me. And we think we've got to clean ourselves up and we think we've got to do this penance and we think we've got to pay the price because we have this broken understanding that it's in what I do, but it's not in what I've done. It's just what He's done for me because He's the Redeemer. He's the Redeemer. He's the Restorer. He's saying, come, don't waste your life anymore, my friend. What has God put on your life? I love this and Troy, you can come and join me. The truth is you have not blown it and you have not wrecked it. It sits there waiting for you to pick it up. One of the most powerful moments in prayer for me was this. And God, in my, in my prayer time, I received a vision from the Lord and it's just like a movie playing out in my mind, just watching it. And it was such a beautiful thing. And I want to share it with you. Because God's a God who redeems and God's a God who restores. And this was the vision. I was in a boat and my sail was, my sail was tatty and torn. 
had holes all through it. And I was in this little fishing boat, little sailing boat, little one or two man thing on a, on a sea. And the storm had rolled in and I was getting tossed around on the waves and felt hopeless. I cried out. And Jesus came and He started patching my sail. He started putting patches on all the holes of my sail. (laughs) And as He finished, the storm rolled out and the sun came out and the sky went blue. And I hoisted my sail and off I went. Just cutting a track, moving carried along by the wind, freedom, restoration. As I'm cutting a track and just moving, feeling alive, I noticed people kind of like looking at me. So I go by that, I kind of, but they weren't looking at me, they were looking at my boat, looking at, looking at my sail. <laughs> and so I kind of looked up and I saw what they were looking at because Jesus had patched my sail, but He had patched it with all sorts of out there colours like there were bright colours that had filled the holes and it was so obvious that my sail had been patched so obvious that there was a hole there and it had been patched it looked like a patchwork quilt and it was like what the heck but there was no shame in that I could point to that patch I was so glad they could see it because I was once stuck on the ocean tossed around by the waves, going nowhere. But because He patched my sail, because He's redeemed my life, now I'm cutting the track and I'm like, yeah, look at that patch. Look at the goodness of God. Look at what Jesus did for me. I couldn't do it on my own, but He patched my sail. I'm here to tell you today, He wants to patch your sail. He wants to show the goodness of God through your weakness. For when you're weak, He is strong. Yes, I couldn't do it, but He did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Thank you, Jesus, that you patched my sail. Romans 11.29 For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He never takes them back. They're yours. He's given them to you. He's given them to you. He's given them to you. The Father said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on Him and put a ring on His hand and shoes on His feet. Somebody wants to put the robe of righteousness on you this morning to say that I have covered you. You are my family. I am, you, I am placing you in my family. I have given you my identity. You are son and daughter of the Most High God. And you will be recognised as family. Come on, a robe of favour upon you this morning. He wants to put a ring of covenant on your hand and a ring of authority on your hand. I love the wedding and the wedding ceremony when we exchange rings, this endless promise of God in a ring. I love it. And He's saying, come on, like a marriage, I have a symbol, a promise to you that you are mine and I am yours and I'm covenanting myself to you again. But also the ring meant authority. When you had the family ring, you could go somewhere and say, look, stamp, family ring. God's given you authority. God wants to give you authority this morning and re- come on, you're called and shoes on your feet. Let me tell you, He's got a journey and a purpose for you to walk in. Oh, it's interesting. On Friday, we were chatting with, with, with some friends about what's your, uh, there are, uh, the Bible talks about having the five, five-fold ministry. 
teacher, evangelist, pastor, prophet and apostle, the fivefold ministry. And there's tests that you can do to figure out where you're at. And we're, I hadn't done that test. I've done other spiritual gifts tests. I had not done that test. And the question was, what do you think would be your number one? And they all thought, they all thought that I'd be evangelist. Because doesn't it sound like, like all, everything in me just wants to pull people into relationship with Jesus. But actually my number one is an evangelist, is apostle. But I just wanna see you living the call of God on your life. I know what it's like to be in the boat on the, on the ocean. Come on, I know that feeling. I know what it's like to feel like you're blowing it and wrecked it. But I, my number, I just wanna see people running in the call of God on their life. But let me tell you something, you can't run without first coming. You've got to come. Everything is birthed out of a relationship and a humbling to say, Jesus, I need You. I'm not going if you don't patch it. I'm not going without You. Uh, redeem my life. Redeem this situation. Jesus, I need You to redeem my life. But He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has given you author authorised good works for you to walk in. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, he has. And I know if you've been coming to C3 Church Wellington for any amount of time, this feels like it's a record on repeat. But I'm telling you something, I will keep until there's air in my lungs championing you and pulling you into the call of God on your life. Because you're a lost sheep. And God's calling you to reach them. They're lost sheep in your family. Who doesn't want every single person out there to be in here? Who doesn't want our family to discover and come in contact and realise that all that can be found in the love of Jesus? Every one of us, if you believe in Jesus, you want this, who doesn't want, come on. We all do. The party erupts. When one person says yes, the party erupts when one person returns. It's time to come home.